Welcome to Small Bites Radio with Donato Marino and Derek Tim. We hope you're hungry. to Wildfire Radio Small Bites. I'm Donato Marino with DNL Bean to Barista Service. And the studio with me is Derek Tim of BlueJeanFood.com. And man, Don, on one, fire. One and I, only. I, the I one feel, and only. I feel the energy. You know, I was working on a farm all day. So my, I'm like hyped. I thought maybe it was the espresso. That was earlier. <laughs> it, can, it can last all day, though. I know it is. The vitamin D from the sun, uh-huh. being outside. They got a little color. Hey. Yeah, I'm not like a pale white guy anymore. Yeah, it's looking good. Yeah, I try. I try. Oh, man. In a couple of weeks, we'll see the beautiful bounty harvest. Yeah, yeah. We also had uh, smoked meats today. Oh, my goodness. Oof, that was nice. Living life jo- on the I, farm. I, I, I had to throw out. I want to thank John for bringing his smoker out today. He was there at 8 o'clock this morning. We had turkey, we had wings, we had short ribs. Phew, phenomenal, phenomenal job he did. Well, I want to thank that John, but I want to thank another John as well. Which John are you talking about? That would be John Howard Fusco, and I want to thank him for always calling in, giving us lots of information, because he's on the phone and he's ready to talk. Very knowledgeable, that guy. How's it going, buddy? Good evening, guys. How are we all doing? It sounded great to... Oh, nice. Yes, well, uh, thank you. <laughs> I wanted to mention that uh, for Philly's restaurants and bars, coming this Friday, June 11th, they will now be fully open. Uh, either Philly reported that although there will be no capacity or social distancing limits, uh, there will still be a requirement to wear a mask if you're not eating or drinking or bar. But starting June 11th, we'll be listed as false capacity and social distancing. So restaurant bar industry in the city. Uh, Speaking of eating in the city, Sanity Restaurant Week is back starting tomorrow and running through May 28th. You can go to SanityCityFilla.org for the list of restaurants that are participating. Uh, on the Jersey side, congratulations to Swedesboro Brewing, which opened yesterday, May 15th. And they may be the only brewery around that has a mascot. They have a mascot, Hoppy the Raccoon. So I don't know if you can go and meet Hoppy, but evidently they have a mascot. Uh, the case room is open from Wednesday through Sunday. I just hope they he doesn't have rabies. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's, that's my first thought, too. <laughs> uh, if you're heading down the shore, we're getting warmer weather here. Uh, some new places to look at uh, when you're going down the shore. Uh, George's Place, which is known in Cape May and Cape May Courthouse. We have an additional location this summer in Wildwood Crest. And then also I saw that 9 South Barn Grill in Cape May Courthouse, which has been in the works for three years going, uh, finally opened uh, this month. So check them out. I was looking at the menu, finishing things on the menu. They have a pork belly and gravy fries appetizer, which sounds really interesting. And they also do bread oven pizzas, and they have a Cape May seafood pizza, which sounds really good as well. So definitely check them out if you're heading down the Cape May area. So follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Eating in Jersey, as well as South Jersey Food Scene website and Facebook page uh, for more eating adventures. Thank you, buddy. It's uh, always you, a joy to talk to you, and uh, we'll talk to you again next week. We have a show next week. Yes, Don. we do. Yes, we do. We're throwing everybody's row, schedule. I know. Throwing everybody's schedule oh, off. Boy. Wow, two weeks in a row. All right. <laughs> <laughs> hey, we got to have Memorial Day off. We can't be coming yeah, in here yeah, messing yeah. around. That's <laughs> have a, right. Have I'm a good sure. one, buddy. Thanks. <laughs> I take care, guys. Yeah, I mean, John said it. It's going to everybody's heading down the shore. And did you see the weather? You're beautiful. 90. 90 degrees. Start next They're Thursday. They're going to force me to wear shorts. Shirts. I don't know. Shorts. Shorts. You've worn shorts before. Yeah, legs you. aren't looking as good as they used to. Oh, well, I mean, you're just self-conscious. I, I, I see everybody winking at you as you 
Put them should put, put when you're working on the farm. You gotta get the sun. Yeah, yeah I can't be pasty legs. <laughs> That's the time to, <laughs> because hey, even <laughs> even if you, the sun doesn't do it, the, the dirt will kick yeah, up. Well, yeah, well, the, the manure. Well, not too much. No, you, you don't want to leave the farm and and smell too bad. That's why I leave an hour earlier. <laughs> By the time I get home, it's not that bad. So what what do we have planted? Uh, we have radishes. We just put uh, Italian long hots, uh, bell peppers, yellow, orange, and green. Uh, we got uh, broccoli rabe is just about done. Garlic is coming in nice. Asparagus, yeah. Man, that's typical. Oh, that sounds wonderful. Farmer stuff. I can't wait. I can't wait for as you said to bring the bounty in. But yeah. uh, we're, we're going to go from you farming, and we're going to take a, a short plane ride. It's usually on like a five-hour like plane ride. Across the pond? Across the, yeah, across the pond and across the Atlantic, whatever you want to call it. It's only about five hours, and people are starting to open their borders up again and going to take a trip to the wonderful country of Iceland. And joining us first, let's see if we can get it incorrect, Bjorn Steiner Jansen, Saltverks founder and engineer turned restaurateur with an amazing product uh hand harvested sea salt how's it going tonight bjorn yeah that's good that's right it's, i'm uh I'm, I'm doing good uh, bjorn how are you very good so very good. why yeah. don't you tell us a little about yourself and how did salt uh become about it says you were an engineer and i guess that just wasn't fulfilling okay. enough and uh Maybe you were eating out and thought the food was bland and said, you know what? I'm going to start my own salt company. This way they know exactly what needs to go on the food. Why don't you tell us a little bit about salt work? Absolutely. So, yeah, I'm, uh, I'm an engineer and I, uh, an, an Icelander, uh, born in native Icelandic, uh, living in Reykjavik, Iceland. Uh, and I uh, was living abroad in, in Copenhagen for 10 years. There was a lot of things going on in Baltic food scene uh, at the time in uh, restaurants and uh, breweries and coffee uh, places, etc. that inspired me uh, to see what was that. This is about 2005 or so. Uh, and uh, when, once I was starting to think about moving back to Iceland uh, after the financial crisis in uh, 2010-11, then uh, the idea came about uh, to, to utilize the geothermal energy that we have in Iceland to uh, to make sea salt, and uh, uh, and I think uh, that was just an idea that uh, I started out to try, and uh, and and since then it's been a snowball uh, growing each year, uh, and now we have ten years uh, so far where we've been making sea salt and uh, and delivering to uh, yeah many of the greatest restaurants there are in the world and. Uh, and that's and, uh, customers around the world. And that's amazing because you saw uh, a, 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 an aspect of a long forgotten 17th century process that you've revived because your production method is ensuring that the salt retains its natural min- minerals. And that is what's giving it its unique flavor that you really don't see in other sea salt products. What was it or how did you come to learn about this 17th century process and say to yourself, we've got to get this going again because that's that's when and that's how the salt really needs to be processed for its full flavor. Absolutely. So uh, I guess uh, what uh, what really intrigued me was uh, exploring for things uh, that we where you could use utilize geothermal energy in Iceland, which we have an abundance of in, in food production. And and I was just doing research, uh, and then uh, stumbled upon this story uh, that was written by historian on the old salt production, which was located in the Vestfjords, which is a remote area. Four, four hours away from the capital of Reykjavik, and uh, uh, and so that story, uh, as soon as I read it, it was 
it, it intrigued me and I thought it was really interesting. I wanted to to see if that it was possible to uh, to make uh, make Seasoft that way uh, again, as it hadn't been done for uh, for over 200 years uh, once we uh, arrived there. And also, you really lucked out. You searched for the perfect location. And what intrigued me was that the Salturk facility, it's separated in the, in a peninsula, and there's two fjords surrounded by high mountains where the North Arctic Ocean stream runs into a bay, and it's said to have some of the purest and most mineral-rich seawater in the world. So you really lucked out because as Don, I mean, you sampled it. You, yeah. you, you, you love it. That's phenomenal salt. I mean, that's it. Uh, the, when, what, now you think you taste the salt and then you try a little of the sea salt. What a difference in taste. And you don't need as much of it. And, and it, 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 it elevates the taste of the food. Without uh, doubt. Incredible. And it's so distinct with, a deep flavor profile and the, the ones that, that we've tried. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I tried the lava salt, which I, I was like, lava, I don't know. but I tell you what, it, it really added a nice smoky taste. Amazing. To, to the, to, to whatever you put in. I, I put it on some steak. Oh, and, and did it bring some to me? Sorry. I ate it. <laughs> <laughs> But no, it was very, very good. I'm, I'm really dying to try the other salts out, but uh, the lava salt was the one that intrigued me the most. So, how did you find this perfect spot where your facility is located? Did did a friend turn you on? Did you research exactly where the purest and most mineral rich seawater was coming in Iceland? How did that come about? So, absolutely, I. Uh, uh First of all, I was looking for places where we where would you you would have the energy uh, geothermal energy close to the sea. Uh, secondly, uh, as I was starting out, I, I went to a chef uh, at Iceland's only Michelin uh, restaurant called Dave uh, Gunnar Karl, uh, the head chef there, and he had been taking uh, he had been making soft uh, by himself uh, by taking seawater from different places around uh, around the country, and uh, and so when he tried. Uh, the product that we were making uh, with uh, the water, seawater from the West Shields, then uh, it sort of confirmed that uh, that this location uh, was was absolutely the best location uh, there there was because of uh, the cleanliness of the water there, as it's it's so remote, it's so far away from everything, uh, and so. Uh, and so that that sort of uh, gave us a confirmation on that. And, and that's amazing. And uh, like you mentioned, you're using 100% geothermal energy. And one of the things that really amazed me during one of the visits that I went to Iceland is the uh, way that Icelanders have embraced this energy to really a great potential you're using it for the process in your salt. But I also saw lots of uh, greenhouses and the way that the houses are heated uh, with the geothermal energy. Iceland is such a unique country in that aspect. Uh, what was what, or what is one of the things that, uh, you've fallen in love with uh, from Iceland because, uh, as you mentioned, you're originally from uh, uh, Denmark, correct? Or are you originally from Iceland? I'm, I'm originally from Iceland, but but lived in Denmark for for uh, over ten years in in Copenhagen. Uh, but but once you uh, once you go away from your your country for for a while, then you learn to appreciate the nature. You learn to appreciate the I mean, we we live in a country where <clears throat> where we, you you need to learn to respect the nature, uh, whether it's the sea or whether it's the as we have right now an active volcano just 40 minutes away here from the capital. Uh, these are the things that you 
uh, you know, once you go away, then you learn to respect what uh, what the nature has to give, but also what it can take. Uh, uh, you know, that, that's something that we uh, is is you know definitely in every every Icelander, and uh, but you learn more to appreciate it when you move abroad for a few years. Without a doubt, and uh, uh, as you mentioned. The, the amount of appreciation and the engineering that has gone on in Iceland for the size of your island, it, it's truly outstanding and amazing what uh, the citizens of Iceland have done. But getting back to the salt, you have quite a variety of flavors with the salt as well. You have flaky sea salt, Birch smoked salt, as Don mentioned, one of the ones that he really enjoyed that went fantastic on a steak was the uh, salt work, uh, the lava lava salt, salt, and then a thyme salt, as well as a seaweed salt. And the one that you licorice salt that you were outstanding, you you were surprised, but you really enjoyed that one too. I did. I just just took a pinch and put it on my tongue, and and I, I don't know how to describe it. How did you come about with the varieties? Have you teamed up with a chef or is it trial and error? Is, is it some sort of uh, secret family uh, recipes? There are very unique uh, uh, flavor profiles that you've created. So uh, I, uh, the, the process of, uh, of uh, these flavors that uh, we were, we added for a product, we were, kept uh, ourselves to uh, uh, ha- make products where it has some uh, relevance in terms of where we are from. So the, the, the Burke smoked salt, we are using a traditional method which has been used for centuries here in Iceland on how to smoke. Uh, we smoke our, you know, the, all the food products with uh, the sea, we did something, or, and the after time, it's something that we get here locally in Iceland. The Arctic thyme is, is a herb that only grows in the Arctic region, in Iceland, Greenland, and the Pearl Island. Uh, and then if you take a product like the licorice, uh, the licorice root is important, but it has a strong uh, has strong cultural roots in uh, in Iceland as, as uh, used in Kenti and in Scandinavia in general. Uh, chocolate-filled uh, licorice is, is uh, a very popular uh, product, and and so the, the, the that way it has a cultural relevance. Uh, and so uh, we've partly teamed up with chefs in developing the product, uh, product, and we have close collaboration with chefs who are our customers uh, at many of the restaurants. Uh, but have helped ourselves to to only make uh, varieties that uh, uh, that have some relevance in uh, in as where we are from which is that we're an Icelandic uh, soft producer. I mean, it's, it's amazing. It's really a, a, a high quality product, a flavor enhancer without a doubt. Any chef is not do is not doing themselves justice no. unless they really give your product a try in the kitchen. Cause it's really going to elevate any dish. I mean, uh, I, I know Don was raving about it as soon as you guys sent us a sample. And, and I'm, I'm, ready, I'm ready to try the licorice salt and a margarita. That's a good idea. I think that would be phenomenal. That's a fantastic idea. And you have uh, wonderful uh, gift uh, baskets that you can have, uh, packages of the product. And everything is available on Amazon for U.S. customers, which makes it easy. And I'm sure uh, a couple other retail locations. But it was such a joy uh, talking to you, Bjorn. Please be sure to share any social medias, websites, or anything else uh, before you go. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, yeah, as, as you said, Amazon and all websites, software.com, or, or people can find us on Instagram or, or Facebook under, under software. Awesome. Thank you so much uh, for joining us. I know it's uh, early in the morning for you, so we really appreciate it. Thank you very much. Thank you, guys. Have a great night. Thank you. Yeah, Don, like we said, I mean, sometimes we get sent samples and it's just like, oh, another this, another that. 
really wonderful. Some of them, it's like they're, the, the thought process of, of making such a product, I mean, it's way and above uh, what most people think of. Yeah. And I, I guess maybe it's because of this 17th century process that it really stands out. I mean, it, it is hands above many, many yeah. salt products out on the market now. Without a doubt. I mean, it's it's top shelf. And you don't need a lot of it. No. That's the thing. The, 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 the flavor profile is so intense that just a, a, a pinch. I mean, and a pinch is a pinch. <laughs> <laughs> and it really gives you a unique flavor, uh, let's say a profile that's above anything I ever tasted before. Yeah. I'm, I'm looking forward to trying the seaweed salt and the uh, birch smoked. I think the birch smoked will be on, on a brisket and, and, and a smoker. Or maybe how I about, think that would be phenomenal. How about fish? Oh, fish too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Get a little like maybe a nice salmon. Put it right on top. You, you know what I had? It was a tra- steelhead trout. I don't know if you ever oh, had it. It's wonderful. Uh, it, it looks just like salmon. Yes. Uh, and we cooked it. And I'm like, what is this? This is it's not salmon, but it looks like it. <laughs> and then my wife goes, yeah, it's steelhead trout. And I was like, wow, unbelievable. Yeah, but uh, yeah. And like I said, Iceland's so great. And talking about uh, even more wonderful products. So you've got dinner. Everything's great. We we had the salt vrick salt. Yeah, we, yeah. we had a wonderful meal. But what's, what's left? What's little, left is a nice little dessert or a little, little chocolate. A little chocolate. We've got the perfect person to talk about wonderful chocolates. We'll see if we can get the name right. We know that we usually uh, uh, are, are terrible with names on this Wait, show. Well, you did good with the first name. Well, I did, which I even surprised yeah. myself. We're going to uh, go with uh, Kjartan uh, Kislon, Amnon's founder, and it's a wonderful, wonderful chocolate, as we mentioned. It's Iceland's first and only bean-to-bar chocolate maker it's, it's, uh, it's like me being a barista being the bar a lot of beans, very close a lot of beans going on tonight <laughs> how's it going tonight did we did were we at least close with the name hi hello so we're hello? Uh, hi, good evening, good evening. Good so evening. were we at least close with the name uh, pretty close <laughs> yeah so you as we mentioned are Iceland's first and only bean-to-bar chocolate maker. You're founded in 2013. Why don't you tell us how all of this came about? I mean, I, I, I guess it's just my uh, naivety that I would think every place has uh, a chocolate maker. Wouldn't you, Don? We all love uh, chocolate. Oh, of course. So genius part <laughs> on your end to not only make it there, but it's a fantastic product, I have to say. It, it, it's it's great, and I especially love that it's not in squares. But let's kick it over to you to describe uh, your background and the history of Amnon. Okay, thank you so much. I'm really happy to hear about that you like the chocolate. Uh, so, yeah, my name is Kaftan, and uh, we founded Amnon now almost eight years ago. Uh, so my background is a chef. So I've just been really interested in all kinds of food making. And I, I think I'm just born with that kind of curiosity. I love seeing how things are made. So chocolate came on my radar at some point And I was just kind of, I just wanted to get my, like, try to make my own version of it. To just see if I could make it on my own. That was even before I was kind of like conceiving to create a brand or anything like that. So it was basically just born out of the curiosity and just trying to understand how chocolate was made because I thought it was an ingredient that was so fascinating to work with. And, and yeah, so in a nutshell, that's how we just got the idea for it. And then really when I started experimenting with some cocoa beans that I managed to buy online, it was just like a, this uh, eureka moment that kind of struck me. <laughs> and I just thought, okay, I really need to think further with this stuff. That's great. And your mission as, as you say, is to make the best chocolate possible using the highest quality ingredients. And get this one, Don, you're going to love this. You set up a small production lab inside a converted gas station. Nice. <laughs> yeah. 
I mean, no, I mean, we started that's great. Really... <laughs> yeah. I mean, uh, I, I mean, I started just as a hobby doing it at home in my kitchen. Uh, me and my friend Oscar, who we've been childhood friends, uh, just started bouncing around ideas if this could actually be something. So, you know, after the Eureka moment, we started experimenting with uh, different regions of cocoa beans that you can buy and uh, just understanding how the flavor profile changes so much between regions. So, um, we just said, okay, now we should try to produce some. So, you know, we're looking for a space, and somehow this gasoline station just was there. It was available. There was actually a guy there who was actually had turned it into a semi-bakery. He wasn't selling out of it, but he was using it as a kind of a catering bakery operation. So he was moving, I think, to Canada. So a friend of us introduced us, and we just like, yep, it makes sense. We should turn this into a chocolate factory now. And that's and that's the beauty yeah. of entrepreneurship. It yeah. some things just come, the things fall on your lap, and you and and you take advantage of the situation. Exactly. It's, right. it, it, it's exactly. as they say, truth is stranger than fiction. Yes, sometimes. <laughs> and uh, what I really enjoy reading about your companies uh, was your sustainability, but also. The thing that really stood out to me, and uh, I know this uh, surprised you as well, Don, mm -hmm. is your brand's full transparency report. And you make it publicly yeah. available on your website of sourcing and buying and things like that because... Let's be honest, we're not going to name names, but obviously we've seen documentaries and things on television of the working conditions and the way that certain farmers and uh, 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 laborers are dealt with in the field. And it it's not that great. In They're taking advantage of. They're taking, and, yeah. and you working in the coffee industry, Don, you know it, it's a tough go sometimes. Yes, it is. And sometimes you want to close your eyes and cover your ears of someone's telling a story of how they yeah. sourced their product, but you've gone above and beyond to say, listen, this is a mission statement of ours. We're going to make sure that we're treating everyone. Well, we're, we're paying our suppliers. We want to make sure that they're doing what they're supposed to be doing on their end. And we're showing the whole world what we, what we do. And, it's unheard of because you're pretty much telling anybody else that yeah. if you want some great chocolate, this, this is where you're getting yeah. your material. That's from. Your source. But, uh, congratulations. I mean, uh, kudos to you. It goes to show the kind of person Thank and you. company that, that you've got running there. I mean, I, I think my background being a chef is that I learned from the kitchen that you source the best mat um, material, you know, the raw ingredients, you know, finding a good farmer or or somebody who's, you know, taking care of their ingredients. And that means that story will always follow. And working in some of these kind of Michelin restaurants I worked in the past, you would try to tell that story to the customer as well, you know, telling them, that, you know, that this is not just a regular carrot or this is not this fish was caught, you know, using this method or so on and so on. So the same thing I thought could be applied with uh, cocoa because, as you as you said, uh, there's a lot of these kind of horror stories that are coming out now, and and these are things that have been going on for decades, if not centuries. So we felt like we'd be obligated not if we didn't like investigate like where do our where does our cocoa beans come from? Where does our sugar come from? Where does our milk come from? And we just decided we need to ask ourselves on every step of the way, finding out where our ingredient is coming from. And in turn, as you said as well, is that, you know, the farmers, the people who are taking care of all this, they get paid in the same time. And of course, the product you're selling is sold at a more premium price. A lot of people think it's just you're trying to make a lot of money out of it because people sometimes just see a bar of chocolate and think, why does it cost so much? Well, the next one next to it is so much cheaper than I usually tell, well, you should ask them why it's so cheap because there's a reason because it's cheap. And but not only that, I I true I truly believe that if you you know if you treat the people you work with with respect and if you are fair in business with them, you will get the best product from them as well. So uh, I, yeah, I agree. I agree with you. I agree with you 100. Yeah. 
as you can understand, it's a, it's a big passion for us to make sure that, and we're still checking in boxes because we feel like this is a mission when you start going down this route. It's, it's a rabbit hole of loads of different things that you need, need to make sure that you're doing correctly. And I mean, when, even when we thought we'd been doing the right thing, we discovered later on, well, you didn't check with this or that. So there's a lot of, I would say, loose ends when it comes to finding a sustainable product of a raw material in the food one today. Without a doubt. And uh, as Don's saying, I mean, yeah. he deals with it on a daily yeah. basis. I mean, when you treat people correct, then they treat you the same way back. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's it makes a better product. I, well, everybody has to eat. So uh, as long as, as you're feeding the whole, everybody down along your, your chain, plus other people, it makes it better for the whole yeah. world, actually. Exactly. Exactly. And Absolutely. you have such a unique uh, a variety of flavors, uh, which I really enjoyed. I mean, you have uh, caramel and milk, coffee and milk. You have uh, quite a few varieties of uh, sourcing like Nicaragua, Madagascar, Tanzania for your uh, dark variety. Uh, you have a, an inclusion variety with uh, sea salted almonds and uh, uh, things like that. Uh, so you have yeah. so many uh, uh, white chocolate as well. You really built yeah. yourself that anybody can be pleased with your brand yes. uh, and every flavor that we've had was amazing. So uh, even though you have many different varieties and we do all agree that they're, they're all great, we have to narrow it down. Which one is your favorite? Uh, that's a very good question. But um, I usually, one of my favorites are always the ones that I may be working on at any time. So that becomes my, my new favorite. But there are a couple of bars that I kind of go back to that I'm just kind of amazed by because most of those are very simple bars. And the one that I really enjoy most of the time is called Dark Milk of Tanzania. It's a 65% cacao and it's uh, what we call a dark milk. So it's a kind of a hybrid bar. It, being a dark chocolate bar and a little bit of a milk bar as well. So there's a little bit of milk in it. You don't really feel it, but uh, well, you feel it kind of more in the texture and it just takes up the edge of the bitterness. Uh, it's very low in sugar. In fact, it's uh, besides 100%, but it's the lowest amount of sugar that we have. And I really enjoy, or I'm really fascinated about how sugar impacts the flavor a lot. So I really put a lot of thought and care into not adding overly too much sugar into the chocolate. Uh, chocolate needs some kind of sweetness to kind of draw it out, but you can really overdo it and just get that really, un, you know, uh, unpleasant feeling of you eating something that's way too sugary. So you, you use sugar as you would like to use salt on a steak. You know, it's just that kind of thing to draw out the flavor that you need from. And besides, we also use salt a little bit as well into recipes. You wouldn't sometimes notice it, but if you look at the packaging, some of our chocolate has kind of like a hidden salt uh, in it because salt and sugar, it just works so well together to draw out the flavor of the cacao. Well, uh, but the dark milk of Tanzania, that's absolutely one of my favorites. Well, our, our previous guest, uh, Saltwerk, I'm sure they'd be more than happy to help yeah. you with your, <laughs> yeah, your your salt needs. We use salt work all the time. <laughs> I mean, it's a there great, yeah, it's a great product. We we love it. But uh, I have to say, for anyone who's never visited Iceland, you truly have to go and experience it for yourself. The first time I ever went to Iceland, it was completely coincidental. I was able to visit the same exact week that Iceland Airwaves was happening. And what yeah. a magical experience that was. I visited the Blue Lagoon and the band, which is very popular in the United States now, but they were nobody heard of them in the United States before then. Uh, Kaleo was playing at the Blue oh, Lagoon yeah. while me and my wife were swimming at the blue. It, it was just uh, magical. And we also uh, visited uh, three for car 
And I have to say, I always hate eating little, wonderfully beautiful animals, but I had uh, puffin and it was delicious, yeah. <laughs> even though they're, they're so cute little animals, but it was such a joy. We could go on for hours and days talking about the wonders yeah. of Iceland. But again, I want to thank you for calling in. Uh, just like uh, Saltverk, we know it is a very early call in for you guys to talk to us, but it's truly uh, appreciated uh, from us. And uh, we couldn't thank you more. Uh, Amnon uh, Chocolates, go check it out. Please share a social media website or anything like that before you go. Uh, yeah, that, that's ch- you can find us on omnomchocolate.com, omnomchocolate on Instagram, Twitter. So uh, we usually post any kind of updates that we're doing, anything new that we're doing. So, yeah, definitely give us a like and a check there. Perfect. Have a great night. Have a great night. Yeah, Donovan. Nice talking to him. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, uh, uh, thank, just, you. thank you. You're welcome. Uh, we're just going, checking off all of your favorite things on this show. We are. And I'm going to make you really happy. Because our next guest... The only way you can make me happy if it's a coffee-type product. Oh, you're in luck, my friend. Because we've got the perfect person. James Cavalry, the CEO of Buskerdu Coffee. And bakery product. And bakery. And they're known for both of them. So, so right up your they go, alley. They go great together. <laughs> you would know them oh, running man. D&L Coffee no. Services. How's it going tonight, James? Hey, good. How are you guys? Good, James. How are you? Now, you've doing started great. Doing great. You started in 2009. Now, Don, do you even want to share when you started in the coffee business? 1996. <laughs> All right. I was delivering That's one a great time for coffee. Yeah, well, a little back, more laid back. Back then, back then, I was delivering like one pound bags of coffee to restaurants because nobody, well, espresso, I should say, but call it espresso because nobody knew anything about the concept. Yes, and isn't and, it wild? And, and today, look at today, spinning up to today, it's and in two thousand nine, James, you decided to make your first pound of roasted coffee beans in a one bedroom in New York city must have smelled great. And in 2020, you've got six locations and a franchising program. You couldn't be more successful. That's amazing. Congratulations. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Yeah. I appreciate that. When you're in the thick of it, you feel like you don't deserve the success or the accolation, but, uh, yeah, thank you. <laughs> but yeah, I can tell you that story. Uh, Definitely, about, please. Uh, yeah, please do. Coffee in our oven. Yeah, so I I, um, I uh, started drinking coffee kind of late. I never liked coffee in college. I lied at my Starbucks interview and said, oh, I love coffee, <laughs> uh, but I hated it. And um, then later in life, I, I, I was at this fancy event for my boss at the, my corporate job, and they brought out some coffee, and I smelled it, and I was like, oh, I want that, which is a feeling I'd never experienced prior. So I just poured myself a cup, drank it black, and I was blown away. I was like, my God, suddenly that was just my time to enjoy coffee. And I obsessed over it. I just kept looking for it and drank whatever I could, read about it on the internet and read, oh, you can roast coffee. I'm like, oh, yeah, it isn't just this thing that shows up in a cup and you drink it. It's something that comes from a tree and it's in a, and it's in a cherry and people open it up and then process it and send it to uh, send it to you and then you got to roast it and i read you can roast coffee in an oven it's not ideal but you physically can do it and uh so me and my fiance at the time um amelia we uh we were living in a one-bedroom apartment tiny little place in new york city and uh we it says put it in an oven on a pizza tray one of those with the holes in the bottom and uh sprinkle it out evenly put it in crank it up as hot as your oven can go and just wait and they said, warning, it might get smoky, or it will get smoky. <laughs> yeah. So we're waiting, we're waiting. By, of course, we read that, so all the fire alarms, we put a plastic bag and duct tape around it. And uh, <laughs> so, yeah, so anyway, we're waiting, waiting. And uh, coffee has a, like, it cracks. And once it cracks, it's kind of like the, the beginning of when it, it can be done. If you want it to go a little darker, you're going to wait for a second crack. There's no third or fourth crack. It's just the first crack or the second crack. Uh, so we're going and going, and like, you know, a tiny bit of smoke, but this isn't smoky. First crack goes, I wanted to go a little bit darker, goes and goes. Suddenly 
before we knew it, the second crack hit, and boom, smoke everywhere. Oh my god! <laughs> like way more, we, way more than we expected. Opened up all the windows. Luckily, Amelia thought it was funny, as funny as I did. And uh, and then you got to take it out. And then uh, what there are is uh, it's called chaff, much like peanut skin. There's all that kind of everywhere, and you got to separate the chaff from the coffee. And uh, so they suggest get a fan and two colanders and just pass the coffee back and forth between the two colanders while the fan's blowing the chaff away mid in midair. So I have no place to do this, but out our one-story window, and I'm doing this, and there's this guy who walks by and just stops and stares at me, wondering what the hell I am doing. To say I think about that guy, and I often think he must remember that experience, that, that visualization every once in a while and ponder, what was he doing? And look, so at, now, look at what that experience has, yeah. has made now. Now you're... You have a wonderful, uh, successful coffee chain that you have franchise opportunities for. And one of the things that you have really gotten known for is not only serving a delicious cup of freshly roasted coffee, but you get rave reviews for your fantastic homemade baked goods. And one of the things that you guys are about, your pro-people outlook, inclusiveness, and your free-spirited nature. That's what has really set you guys apart from the pack because, uh, as we know, there's plenty of coffee chains out there. Yes, there is. But you have really separated yourself to be uh, uh, quite the spot to make it an experience to get a cup of coffee, not just to go and uh, pour me up, up, see you later, and and you're out. So... uh, what was it totally. that, uh, how did that outlook come about? Well, probably started cause I got six years of uh, Quaker school under my belt. So with that upbringing, you have this inclusive attitude, but it was that plus, you know, I mean, I think we've all experienced going into like a really fancy, you know, our industry is specialty coffee. So a fancy specialty coffee place like blue bottle, or Stumptown, and not not to really, I just did name some names, didn't I? But not to like <laughs> say it's just them, but I think we've all experienced those hipster places where you walk in, and if you don't pronounce macchiato right, they roll their eyes at you and uh-huh. look through you. And, you know, a bunch of, I refer to them as hipster doofuses. And, uh, <laughs> you know, and that's just, that was not what we wanted. It was either like, you got to go to a place where if you don't have tattoos below your elbows, they don't really talk to you, or Starbucks and Dunkin' Donuts. I wanted a place, I wanted to create a place where it could be both. It could be ex- exceptional coffee that was roasted in the last few days, you know, filtered through uh, reverse osmosis water that's just going to blow your mind. But also, if you come in and you admit all you drink is Dunkin' Donuts, we're like, oh, great, we're going to offer you a light roast. If you say, yeah, I usually drink Starbucks, well, okay, we're going to offer you a, a medium or a dark roast. It's as simple as that. We're just, we just welcome everybody. That's you know awesome. I mean? That's awesome. So, but- so that's because yeah, coffee really is about the experience. There's an identity to it. There's just a feeling of belonging when you find a really good coffee shop that's your coffee shop. Yeah. And we say, like, behind the curtain with all my employees, I'm like, the coffee's only 49% of what we do. It's We're really just here to make people happy. 51% is the experience. And if people, no matter how good our coffee is, if people aren't comfortable in the store, if they don't feel really good, they're not coming back. Yeah, you want you want to give them a smile when they come in. I mean, they have a, the most miserable day in the Absolutely. world, and they come in, they try a nice cup yeah. of coffee, a nice pastry, and then they're all of a sudden all their worries go away without a doubt. And I can only see definitely larger yeah, yeah. larger things on the horizon for you guys. You've got the recipe for success without a doubt, one hundred percent. It was such a joy uh, talking to you. I know that everyone, even Don included. He, he loves the concept. And as you said, you're putting out a premium brand and yeah. Don's the one to know. Uh, James Cavalry, the CEO of Busker Do Coffee. Please share a website or anything like that before you go. Sure. It's uh, si- simply BuskerDo.com or you can follow us on Instagram, Facebook at BuskerDo. And that's super phonetic spelling, B-O-O-S-K-E-R-D-O-O, Boo. 
do. It's fun. It's kind of a stupid name. That's why. <laughs> That's like it's a great name. I like that name. <laughs> Have a great night. It was yeah. joy talking to you. Yes. Have a good evening. Have a good one. Awesome. Take care. But you know what goes with a great cup of coffee, Don? Great dessert. Well, not only dessert, but family-friendly recipes with surprisingly easy twists. Because if you're, if you're going to have your coffee, you want to relax. You don't want to be thinking about things too hard. And if you're searching through your cabinets, you want to find the secret ingredient. And our next guest knows, knows, the, knows the ingredient. Just how to find it. It's like James Bond. Justatase.com's creator, a professionally trained chef, uh, Chef Kelly. How's it going tonight? Hey, guys. I'm fantastic. Thanks so much for the intro. I'm how you doing, Chef? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> how many times have uh, you say, can you say that you've been referred to as James Bond? I, you know, I was just about to say that was my first, and I'm going to have to start using that. I, I really like that intro. Thank you. That really pumped me up. That's perfect. <laughs> hey, no problem. <laughs> just as long as this recording doesn't explode in 30 seconds. Yeah, that's right, right. We'll, we'll, be just, yeah. <laughs> we'll be just fine. But as we mentioned, uh, wildly successful. I mean, we're talking about millions of views You've got millions of followers on your social medias, justataste.com. Could you ever thought, did you ever think that it would be as successful as it is? No, never. I don't even have to wait a quarter of a second before I answer that question. Honestly, going into this field and deciding that I was going to pursue a whole, you know, a dream job in food media was just, it, food media wasn't a thing like, 15 years ago. And I launched Just to Taste 13 years ago when I was in uh, journalism grad school and then ended up going to culinary school right after. And food media just hadn't had the Epicurean explosion that's happened in the last decade. So to think that I could go from like, a, you know, a staff job at Condé Nast writing for Gourmet and Epicurious to just, you know, kind of upping and leaving and saying, I'm going to go the entrepreneurial route. And everyone thought I was crazy. And it was the best decision I ever made. I like, I'm so happy that I never second guessed myself in that. Without a doubt, because once you're doing something that you have a passion for, I hate to say the cliche, but it doesn't seem like it's work. And you have that uh, inner self-confidence and knowing that you are happy with what you're putting out instead of being told mm. what you have to create yeah. or put out. And, yeah. uh, and, and we have to say here, the product that you are creating and putting out couldn't be more timely or wonderful because <laughs> the secret ingredient oh. cookbook truly 100% is the much needed antidote to every home cook's burnout because with the pandemic we we spent more time at home than ever we were cooking at home more than ever and lord knows <laughs> Don's right. shaking his head over there <laughs> yeah we, we will put you on a few me, calories you, you know and we both I, I know I've just, I was so burned out from making the same like seven things on repeat. I have three little boys under age five. So I basically run an all day diner at my house between <laughs> meals and snacks and my husband eating and my dog gets the scraps and everything. Like I'm just cooking nonstop. So during the pandemic, it was like overdrive. And even though, you know, I cook professionally, I've done this for so many years now, developing recipes and all of that. It's like such burnout and so much fatigue. And so I, I love the timing of the book with the secret ingredient cookbook, because all of the secret ingredients in the book, basically there are 125 family friendly recipes. And each of them has a surprising twist in the form of an interesting ingredient that's added to elevate in taste or texture or presentation. But none of the secret ingredients are hard to find, are expensive. It's not like you're going to have to spend like $32 for some random spice that you're going to use an ounce of and never, you know, tuck in the back of the cupboard and never use again. But it's just like using really ordinary ingredients in surprising new ways to kind of revive and re-inspire everyone in the kitchen. Without a doubt. And uh, one of the aspects that I liked of the book is the 30-minute uh, uh, meals. And one example that really caught my attention was the 30-minute macaroni and cheese, 
Now, I don't know if you saw this one, Doc, because I know you flipped through the mm. book. Uh, do you, did you happen to see that one? I haven't seen that one, oh. but I saw the tangy chicken, baked chicken oh. wings with the, uh, the, the jam. Yeah. But <sighs> they're, they're all fantastic. Oh. But the one that blew me away with the mac and cheese, the secret ingredient of that one was pumpkin. Oh, pumpkin. I would have never thought a secret ingredient for mac and cheese being pumpkin. So me neither. how, how do you find these? Like, how is it that, do, 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 is it that you're just like, hmm, I'm just going to throw this in, see if it works. And then uh, if it does, great. If it doesn't, well, we're just going to keep yeah, that nobody, one to ourselves. Know. No, no one will be <laughs> any the wiser. Hello? Oh, I think. Oh, am I lost her? I think, I think we lost her. But uh, as we said, it has many. Uh, we, we've, hey that, there we go. Hey. We've got you. Sorry about that. <laughs> so, no, I love it. I love that you were talking about the cover recipe because that to me is like the epitome of what the entire secret ingredient is about. Um, you know, adding the pumpkin to something as classic as mac and cheese. But so much of the development and the creation of all of these recipes, so much of it was just trial and error and seeing what worked and what didn't work, um, but really testing these recipes. They were all tested by a whole bunch of home cooks across the country when I was developing them because I didn't want professional chefs trying to make the recipes. I wanted home cooks because, you know, that's who the audience is. And it was a really great way to learn how home cooks specifically work in their kitchens and the ingredients they're using and just trying to make it as simple and straightforward for everyone as possible. Now, one of the, one of the things that would interest me or maybe could be fun for the family maybe you already do this have you had it where you have a dish and then have like a family night have the kids choose a secret recipe and see how that works out because i know for my son my son is eight years old and sometimes just for fun i'll ask him oh what should we put on this and he will throw right. out some of the wildest ideas you've you've ever heard of. And you know what? I say go. I say go for it. And honestly, I tested some of these recipes on my kids too. One of my favorite recipes you just made me think of this is the broccoli pesto pasta. So most of the time you would think, okay, little kids are not going to go near pesto. It's green. It's like unfamiliar. Um, and there's broccoli in it, and there's no chance. But uh, they absolutely love olives. And so I made that the secret ingredient, and I really get them involved in the kitchen. I think that's something, too, with kids. I always give this advice when I'm trying to get kids to eat kind of more creatively or expand their palates. If your kids make a dish, they are 99% more likely to eat it than if you just make something and serve it to them. So if you're okay with a little bit of a mess, I always say get your kids in the kitchen with you because they're going to be way more involved in the creation of the food and making it, and then they'll be more likely you know, to want to eat it. Without a doubt, yeah. I, I couldn't agree with with you more. And as we were mentioning about the book as well, you've really set it up that you can have a meal or you're just having a twist on something that is, goes from ordinary to extraordinary. How was it that you came about the 125? Was that a number that you said, hmm, let Let's go for a hundred. Let's go for one fifty. One twenty-five. It always yes, find I, know, I find I it odd how you come to a certain number. No, well, I'll be honest. I am. Um, it was so funny. I have an entire rejects folder on my laptop of recipes that just did not work out through this development process. It was over the course of about eight months. And I was trying everything left and right, um, you know, trying to find creative things that worked. But there were things that were the most epic failures. I'm not going to lie. Um, and those are some of like, obviously, the best stories and the best memories from creating the book. But the 125 that I settled on were truly, truly the like creme de la creme, best, best of these, all of these recipes that I developed. Um, but one funny one that did not make it into the book, but I will never forget, I was working on the beverages chapter. There's some fantastic creative cocktails and mocktails, um, and there's a hot chocolate in there that my kids just go crazy over that's got chai spices in it. But my husband was on a Zoom call, and I just ran into his office at home, and I like poured a little something from a straw right into his mouth because I was working on this <laughs> recipe, and he started gagging, and I was like, okay, good to know that's not even, I was Guys, I was trying to make a pickle juice margarita, and it went totally sideways, not in a good way. It was like an absolute hot mess. And he's like, 
that did not work at all. He's like choking. It goes like, all right. I think it was like 830 in the morning because, you know, I'm just working nonstop on this book. And so I was like, okay, but the pickle juice as a secret ingredient made it into the Bloody Marys. It's your Bloody Marys because you get this brininess from, you know, and the saltiness. And it just works really well with the acidity and the sweetness of the tomatoes. So um, there, there were some comical failures, that's for sure. But really getting to these 125 recipes, it was just an exercise in knowing what flavors worked well together. I really have a keen sense like flavor pairings and texture pairings and just always knowing that we eat with our eyes first. I feel like that's such a big component of it too. And kind of sometimes working backwards when it comes to recipe development. And that's amazing. Mm -hmm. And uh, there's no surprise whatsoever of why justataste.com is frequented by millions of people every single month and why you're so wildly successful on social media. And I know that this book is going to have all of your fans and even new fans just really uh, have an understanding of how talented you really are. And I know for us here, oh, you guys are amazing. Uh, what we really enjoyed was as you, as you mentioned, you tested each recipe and it goes and it shows that you've ensured that everything in the book is attainable, easy to find time sensitive and cost friendly and it's it's wonderful it truly is a wonderful book and we want everybody to go out and get secret ingredient cookbook 125 family friendly recipes with surprisingly easy twists thank you so much for joining us it was such a pleasure thank you guys so much i so appreciate it no problem at all no be sure all. and be sure to uh share uh, social media's websites or anything like that before you go. Oh, she might have dropped. I think she's gone, but it was so, it so was, much fun yeah, yeah. talking to her. Uh, the book's amazing. It is. I mean, it's to make, to work with your, um, I don't have any kids, but to be able to work with your kids and, and, and make them eat healthy <laughs> without, without them knowing. <laughs> that's why she's like James yeah, Bond. Oh, that's great. <laughs> she's on a secret mission. Yeah, <laughs> God, definitely. Save, God save the world. Yeah. <laughs> but it's, uh, you never know what you're going to get, but uh, sometimes we come in and you're wondering what the show is going to bring about, but I got to say tonight, Don, it was a lot of fun. Oh, it was a great night. The people from Iceland were fantastic. Uh, the, the cookbook, the coffee, and the, and the desserts. I mean, you know, who, who knows? Starting in there, roasting in an oven. It's great. In the middle of New York. <laughs> setting the smoke alarms <laughs> off. <laughs> Actually, everybody running out of the building now. Now, did you know that they had to, to roast them on like a, a pizza? Yeah, I, I, I've read about it. I You've never done personally, it personally? The, I've done it in a popcorn, uh, those hot popcorn machines. Really? You, know, you put the kernels in and you make popcorn. I tried that with beans. Eh, it's, they came out okay. <laughs> you're going you're gonna to stick with the salad and not the roasting part. Yes. <laughs> yes. And you, so, wonder, and you wonder why some people are so successful or find that. Well, we know it is. The roasting, it's, it's like, I guess it's like anything else. Is you, if you have that passion for it, you, you, you develop a taste. Like barbecue. Prof, yeah, a taste profile for you know what you want, and that's what you look for. There's different beans. You roast them. You, you, you pull out the best you know, characteristics of them. Yeah. Some beans you only can only roast for a few minutes. Some you have to roast for longer to pull out the characteristics to get the coffee profile that you want. If you over roast them, then they just they just bland. Yeah, it's just yeah, and like you said, it's just like barbecue. Some people just have that hand oh, for barbecue. Yeah. Know how long the smoke, yeah. the temperature, yeah. the season. Yeah. It's the yeah. same thing with yeah. roasted. It, it, it's truly a passion project. Yeah, you'll dry it out. You take all your oils out of the beans, and you get nothing but hard <laughs> rocks, little pebbles, yeah. crap. Uh, basically, yeah. <laughs> but uh, why don't you uh, kick it off, wrap it up? As uh, like I said, it was it was fun tonight. Yeah, my name is uh, Donato Marino with DNL Coffee Service. Being the barista, find us on Facebook. I can be reached at 215-365-5521 if you have any questions on any coffee products, machinery, equipment, a little service. Uh, I think we could help you out. Awesome. And uh, we had John Howard Fusco with all his news. Uh, Bjorn Janssen, uh, Saltverk. 
Omnon's founder, Karchin Gilson, James Cavalry, the CEO of Buskerdu Coffee, and JustTheTaste.com creator, uh, Chef Kelly Asenia. That was really fun. And I'm Derek Tim of BlueJeanFood.com. This is Small Bites Radio. We're on Sundays, 6.35 p.m. on Wildfire Radio. Catch us the following day, syndicated on all your uh, Apple products on iTunes. We're syndicated on many channels as well. Google us to find out. And we end the show like we always do with a healthy bite of the week from chef christina wilson and then as usual a joke of the week from the legendary joke teller jackie the joke man martlin hi this is chef christina for small bites with your healthy bite of the day a simple way for eating healthy is to make half your plate veggies at each meal veggies have essential vitamins and minerals that are important for good health vegetables have fiber that help with digestion and keep you feeling fuller longer So fill up that plate with veggies. And for more healthy cooking and lifestyle tips, find me on Instagram at Chef Christina. Why, hello. I'm Jackie Martling, and this is Small Bites. Here we are in the classroom. The teacher says, class, today I want you to use the word beautiful in a sentence. Okay, Betty. Um, teacher, I think you're very beautiful. Oh, thank you, Betty. Very good. Dirty Johnny stands up in the back and says, Yo, teach! Don't give it a shot! All right, John, go ahead. Johnny says, "Uh, Last night we were sitting at the dinner table when my sister said, Pop, I'm pregnant. And he said, Beautiful. Just friggin' beautiful. (laughs) 